0: Welcome to Tech Talk Digital Supply Chain Podcast, where we will help you eliminate the noise and focus on the information and inspiration that you need to transform your business, impact supply chain success, and enable you to replace risky inventory with valuable insights. Join your Tech Talk host, Corinne Bursa, the 2020 Supply Chain Pro to Know of the Year. With more than 25 years of supply chain and technology expertise and the scars to prove it, Corinne has the heart of a teacher and has helped nearly 1,000 customers transform their businesses and tell their success stories. Join the conversation, share your insights, and learn how to harness technology innovations to drive tangible business results. Buckle up. It's time for Tech Talk. Powered supply chain now
1: hey there scott how are you today
0: fantastic corinne great to be back with you here tech talk version of supply chain now live how are you doing
1: I'm doing great. I want to welcome all of our supply team movers and shakers to the conversation today as well. And uh it's always a thrill to be here in a live stream where we get to actually hear from our community members and get their perspective on a number of things as well.
0: Absolutely. They always bring it, bring their A game, bring their Atlanta Hawks game uh, to <laughs> the stream today.
1: That was quite a comeback last night. So that Equal. uh We're we're still, everybody uh, here in the Atlanta marketplace, I think, um, are are still living off of uh, that last couple of minutes of the game coming behind, what was it, 25 points, 23 points? 26, but who's counting? Okay.
0: (laughs) You know, other than soccer, uh, it's it's good to see Atlanta teams come back from from those tremendous or or, or close it out. And then we still got, you know, it's a three to two lead. So you still got it. We got to win that one more game to really win the series against a really talented Sixers team. But, hey, I digress. You might tell Hawks is kind of front and center for me here this morning.
1: Yeah. Sports in general is always kind of front and center for you. And you are number one fan of all of our Atlanta teams. So we, we love that about you. But, you know, Scott, one of the things is life seems to be returning to more normal kind of cadence, more normal engagement. I told you that um, I had my first business trip last week, my first out of state business trip last week. So planes, trains, automobiles, Ubers, conference rooms packed with 15 or more people in them. And it felt strange. I mean, it had been 14, almost 15 months since I'd been on a business trip, which is the longest I've gone in 20 plus years. And it was surreal at times to to be in in 3D with a room full of people and just how much that kind of filled my soul. I got to tell you, it was great to see. The airport was busy. Um, My plane was packed in both directions. So other than having to wear a mask from the time you drop your car to get on the plane, on the plane, you know, until I got to the hotel. Uh, So that was probably a good six and a half hours with a mask on the whole time a little like Darth Vader, you know, after a <laughs> while, so, <laughs> but, but everything, you know, all, all of the TSA, everybody working at the airports, really working hard to, uh, to make it a good experience for our travelers.
0: Love that. Love hearing that. That is definitely uplifting. We, we are seeing a lot of normalcy across the States, but as we always talk about, Corinne, we, we got to get the whole globe into this post-pandemic environment so that our, all of our dear friends across the globe, whether it's Shrinevas in India or... Folks elsewhere, uh, they can get a taste of that, that normalcy that you're you're speaking about, because that I tell you that is definitely um, a welcome welcome sight. But today, for today's conversation what is the theme for today, Corinne?
1: Yeah. Yeah. Well, today we're going to get a retail pulse check. So what's going on with retail? I think we all know that retail in general has just been hit really hard throughout the pandemic. Um, And of course, when retail gets hit, all of the suppliers to retail get hit in the mix. But we're seeing some interesting things. You know, Scott, I was out doing a little Father's Day shopping. So reminder to our audience, Father's Day is, is coming up this weekend. Make sure you, at least get a card or give a call to your favorite father or father's plural and let them know how much you care about them. But I was out shopping, which I haven't done a lot of in-person shopping recently, but I was shocked at how many people were shopping and the right. bags they were carrying. I mean, people are buying. There's a lot of shopping going on. So it was interesting to see that, that some of the stores like apparel, outdoor sporting goods, you know, my husband is a big outdoors guy, a lot of shelves not fully stocked in the stores. So purchases are being made, but that supply chain that's serving all these retail channels, I think we've got a little catch up to do.
0: Agreed. I completely agree. Well, we got a, a wonderful guest we're going to introduce and bring into the stream here momentarily. I want to knock out a couple of program notes, say hello to a few folks, and then Corinne, we're going to jump right in with our wonderful guest. So Excellent. First, a couple of points here. So speaking of retail and speaking of big names in retail, if you're a golfer, you certainly know ping. If you're not a golfer, you probably know ping. Next week we've got a wonderful webinar teed up. Free to join us, all about supply chain transformation with uh ping supply chain leaders and our friends at John Galt Solutions. So y'all join us for that. We got the link to register in the show notes and Corinne, can you hear me? Okay. Is my mic coming in loud and clear? I
1: hear you. You sound good. And I okay. caught that. We've got it teed up and yes. ding, I got uh, that. So <laughs> no, no music to accompany that, but nice job.
0: Thank you very much. Ta-da. Uh, we need a little drum set. <laughs> in <the> background <laughs> here. But, thumb. but check, join us uh, next Tuesday. I think it is June 22nd for that event. And then, Hey, we're really excited uh, partnering with Lars the one and only Lars for the supply chain, insights global summit in september 2021 corinne as you know we're going to be the exclusive provider and broadcaster of the virtual version of the event now you've got to register i can't say this one's free or else Laura might come break my break my legs, <laughs> but join us. We've got a outstanding speaker lineup that is building by the hour, it seems. Mm-hmm. And I think it's gonna be, it's gonna be really a one of its kind hybrid event, both virtual and folks in person there in Franklin, Tennessee. We got the link to register th- for that in the show notes as well. Okay, so we got a lively audience here. I'm getting texts. Thanks, uh, I give a shout out to the uh, one and only Greg White. Who was nice. giving me a heads up about maybe an audio issue on my end. So that's why I was checking with you, Corinne, to make sure you can hear me and all my bad dad jokes. Oh, well, let's say hello to a few folks that have already joined us in the cheap seats. Shrenivas from India. Great to have Excellent. you back once again on a live stream. Shobi uh, from Dubai uh, via LinkedIn is with us here today. Welcome. Look forward to your comments and, and take on today's conversation. Ravi also via LinkedIn, Tom Holden from Louisville, Kentucky mm-hmm. and Tom, thank you for letting us know where you're tuned in from Ravi and uh, Ravi. Anyone else that uh, chimes in, Hey, tell us where you're, you're watching from. It's always uh, neat to see how close the world is. Really it gets really small. Uh, the more you dig in Mark Preston, fellow Hawks fan. Corinne, <laughs> hello from Peachtree city. And Mark, of course, on the board with the Association for Manufacturing Excellence, doing good stuff there. Mm-hmm. Peter Boley, all night and all day, is with us here today. And Gary Smith is back from New York City. Gary, hope this finds you well. Okay, we are on a tight schedule today. Our guest has a hard stop. And I'll tell you, the warm-up conversation, Corinne, I can tell, not only is this going to be fun, but our guest has, talked about a pulse, has her finger. She might be the she pulse does. of retail. <laughs> But uh, tell us a little more who we're going to be introducing, Corinne.
1: Yeah, absolutely. So we're going to really focus, kind of do a retail pulse check. And our guest today is Paula Rosenblum. And Paula is the founder and managing partner for RSR Research. So Retail Systems Research, and they shortened it to RSR Research. I'm so excited to introduce Paula to our community. And so this will be the first time that we've been able to, to have her as a guest here. Paula is one of the top 50 retail technology influencers. I would tell you she's probably one of the top 10 retail uh, technology influencers and brings such depth to the conversation around the retail supply chain, both store operations, but all the way back in working with partners to source goods and move them to market. Um, Paula is, uh, she's got a, a regular contribution that she does with Forbes as well. And has been quoted in Wall Street Journal, Washington Post, many other uh, publications. So I'm super glad she's with us here today on Supply Chain Now and on a Tech Talk live stream. And here she is. <laughs> All right, swoosh. Paula,
2: <laughs> your first swoosh. Welcome. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you so much for having me. Hi, everybody. If I know you, nice to see you again. If I don't know you, nice to meet you.
0: Awesome. Well, Paula, uh, we got so much to get uh, talk with you about and, and learn from you about. But really quick, you're in Miami where you've been Miami. since I think the mid two thousands. Tell us one thing that you love to do when you're not dishing on all things retail, where do you love to spend your free time?
2: Oh, I actually really enjoy uh, photography and one of the lesser known facts about Miami is it's one of the street art capitals of the world. So I, I actually go down and I take a lot of photographs, a lot of street art. And then when I feel in a different kind of mood, I'll go off either to the Everglades or up to some wetlands and take photographs of wildlife. That, those are kind of my favorite hobbies at the moment.
0: Love it. Uh, well, we're going to be looking for some tips about Miami. We we're talking pre-show. Uh, uh, Greg and Anon and, and some of the gang will be down in Miami with uh, our friends from Omnium Partners in September. And we're going to call you with some questions and some insider tips because we understand Miami looks a lot different than our last time in the city a few uh, quite, a, quite some time ago.
2: It does. It's all grown up now, as
1: they say. <laughs>
0: <laughs> all, all right. So, Corinne. Where are we going to start the conversation with Paula today?
1: Well, I'm want to kind of start at the beginning. So Paula, retail has been in the midst of a huge transformation for three or four years now and then the pandemic hit, right? So now we've been through a good 15 months of retail under this global impact of a pandemic. And I know that you um, participated in a recent event, the CXO Summit that is put together by, by our good friend, Kathy Hotka. And so you're fresh off that. And the opportunity to meet with a lot of your friends and meet some new friends as well. Would love it if you could give us just your pulse on what's going on, what the priorities are From that event sure the the
2: mood was very upbeat it was totally enjoyable for me to to actually connect and talk to retailers in a in a a comfortable environment normally when i go to physical conferences i tend to be cloistered over by a table and i don't i actually (laughs) networked more on the virtual conference than I, than I do in, in general conferences. I mean, there was obviously the sense of minds blown, you know, look what's, yep. just, what's just happened. Spent a fair amount of time talking about the workforce and what's the future of work from home versus work at mm-hmm. the office and mutual advantages. It was a lot of uh, CIOs, a lot of CISOs, marketing folks. It was a good group of people and we really quite enjoyed ourselves.
0: Wonderful. You know, retail is fascinating. It was fascinating before the pandemic, and it certainly is even more intriguing now. There's a ton, you know, part of the silver lining here is all the innovation is taking place and how it's also accelerated uh, digital transformation. And uh, in, in many cases, it has improved the customer experience. You see a lot of organizations getting much more serious about that and acting on that. But anything, any other takeaways? Sounds like it was a great event you were at. Any other key takeaways before we, we move on?
2: I mean, there's no doubt and this is thematic both at the CXO Summit and in everything else, that COVID was the great accelerant. And so so trends that were nascent before before the, the pandemic yep. erupted really quickly and really kind of dramatically, you know? And so all of a sudden, buy online, pick up at curb became a thing. Grocery home delivery, um, which was... Something grocers, I think, were paying a lot of lip service to, but not really keen to do, exploded. There was just a lot. That was the biggest thing, was the accelerant. And the next phase is to catch up technologically because with some exceptions, like, for example, Walmart and Target had spent a couple of years preparing for this. Others really just kind of went for it, did whatever they could. Either they offloaded it to... um, instacart or 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 one of the other major delivery companies but that was the big that was really the 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 big thing that we we talked about we built a supply chain that was built for efficiency and all of a sudden it required agility and Mm. and that was a challenge
0: (laughs) all right so corinne one of the things we've talked about a lot here at supply chain now and on tech talk uh, has been returns and reverse logistics and that side which as we all know can really eat away those margins for any organization so fortunately, we're seeing a lot of uh, uh, emphasis placed on those specific skill sets that reverse logistics and returns uh, optimization uh, require including with our friends over at the reverse logistics association i think we've got a our next live stream teed up with them in july with the group at uh, at cisco with Mm a c Uh, looking forward to that but no, Paul, a question for you, uh, you know, what are you seeing in this space? What are you seeing around priorities for re- reverse logistics? And when it comes to new emerging trends related to that area, what would be some of your thoughts there?
2: One thing that, that is important to know and remember is that particularly for apparel, when you don't have a fitting room returns, basically replace the fitting room. So Mm -hmm. if you think about when you go shopping, the number of items you bring into the fitting room versus the number you actually take home with you, extrapolate that out to buying something and taking delivery at home. And so in that universe, a return rate of 25% is considered superb. And that's expensive. That eats away at margin for sure. It eats Mm -hmm. away at labor. And believe it or not, this is not new. I mean, way back in prehistoric times, I designed a return management system for a catalog, for, I did, for a catalog retailer. I really did, I did You know, and, and, and it was one of, it was Chadwick's of Boston. I don't even know if they still exist anymore. And it wasn't simple. It was complicated because you had to decide the disposition on the product when it came in. You know, you knew it was gonna be a big number. You had to decide on the disposition. You had to keep track of it on and on and on and on and on now we've taken that and we've said well you can return it anywhere because it's an omni-channel tenant Mm -hmm. right so there's two problems that happen one is that it eats away at margin and the other thing is that it really distorts your available inventory Mm -hmm. Because is it really back is it sellable I mean that you know there's really a lot of issues that that have come along and then and you know with all respect to my friends who do fitting systems etc etc it's not going away because again, think about going to the fitting room and yep. think about how many things you actually take home from the fitting room.
1: Mm-hmm. Yep, yep. And I'm with you. And I'm you know, i all about ease. And I, like many others, have done a lot of online shopping over the last 15 months or more. And I got to tell you that the ability to do returns in a simple and easy way is part of my decision process today. Absolutely. In fact, I just ordered some cushions for the patio furniture one out of like eight cushions one was not what I expected and the hassle of returning that one cushion I probably won't buy from that retailer again
2: right mm. that's I, the way I feel I believe you I've I've gotten into squabbles with the vendors who wanted me to return 36 inch tabletops that came in shipped and I'm wow. like, no I'm not doing that <laughs> sorry yep.
0: Really quick, I want to I want to recognize a couple of folks and Karim will continue with talking returns, I think. Gary Smith says, hey, COVID got retailers off their keisters. <laughs> Agreed. Let's see here. Marisa, I want to welcome Marisa. Marisa is tuned in via LinkedIn from Trinidad and Tobago. Welcome, welcome. Rhonda, great to have you here. She said she's a little bit late because she was on a call talking men's health. Hey, we appreciate that. It's good that folks are, are thinking of men's health these days. It's wonderful. And let's see here. Peter says he's going to be cruising roof down, wind in the air, and great oh, for all that life.
1: he's got the top down. Yes. Yeah. And I'm so jealous. He's got, he's got a
0: convertible uh, Paula and lives up in in Canada. And uh, he he, all, he always puts that that convertible sports car in our face. So we're all jealous around yes. here. Okay. I've one too. It's just this is the time of the year the top goes up. <laughs>
1: I was going to say it's probably getting too hot now in Miami yeah. for uh, for the top to be down. Paula, great. you know, it, on Tech Talk. So you know, one one of the things that we focus on in, in this particular podcast is digital, right? Is digital impact, digital supply chain, and you and the team at RSR have done some really interesting research in 2020 in the midst of COVID around artificial intelligence and enablement specifically for the retail supply chain. So I would love it if you could share just a couple of examples with us, some aha moments, if you will, from that benchmark report. And by the way, I know they're going to ask Scott, but Paula is allowing us to make that available. So that'll be in the show notes and everybody can download that. So yeah. I really recommend you take a look because there's lots of of information in there might help you in putting together your next steps. But Paula when you look at that research and I know you're living it every day, but give us, you know, give us some insights around how artificial intelligence, how digitization is helping retailers make this transformation. I love your phrase about COVID has been the great accelerant. It has.
2: So, it, it really has. I, I, I mean, what we found, to the surprise of no one, actually we found that the import supply chain was more disrupted and it continues to be. And by the way, the sporting goods shortfalls have been going yes. on since the middle of the pandemic because yes. people, some people picked up the COVID-19, you know, um, pounds and, and others actually took <laughs> the opportunity to get to get really, really healthy.
0: I'm working so, on my reverse logistics uh, of- <laughs> There's COVID balance. nineteen pounds. I'm with tips there, Paul, would be great.
2: Uh, so what what we found is is that those who are who are buying consumer brands want to be able to monitor the supply chain and make adjustments in real time. Those who are vertically integrated need more flexible sourcing strategies, which is something Corinne will tell you I've been you know singing about for a very long time. Yep. And omni channel selling just hasn't been as profitable. As one would expect, and and again, a lot of it has to do with the return rate and the amount of handling that happens. Uh, I don't think we realize how much work the customer actually does in a store versus a store employee.
1: Interesting. I mean, that's and, an interesting comment. How much the customer does, how much work the oh, customer is doing. I mean, I mean, yeah.
2: that's you know, there's been a lot of talk lately around Amazon Go and and yep. cashierless checkout. And there are a few of us, Kathy included, and, and I who both say, you know, I didn't sign up to be a grocery worker. When I go to a grocery <laughs> store, I expect somebody to do stuff for me. And forgetting about the shrink implications, et cetera, et cetera. Mm-hmm. It's awkward, um, you know, it, it, it's challenging. So special? so that that was a big takeaway. And, and we can see that, that an AI-enabled supply chain creates some real opportunities, particularly for inventory visibility, for uh, evaluating the state of a supply chain route at any point in time or a supply chain network, and creating an opportunity to do something different. Mm. Uh, One thing I will say, and this is not from the report, this is from my experience, the domestic supply chain issues that happened earlier in the pandemic, Mm -hmm. in my view, were inexcusable. I think they were predominantly caused by the fear of the bullwhip effect, that it was going to end really quickly, like a hurricane or a a blizzard or one of those one off events. And within three or four days, they fill it back up again. And there wasn't a manufacturer in the world who wanted to get stuck with high cube, low margin items like toilet paper on the shelves. So there were thousands of reasons given mostly blaming consumers for why there was none and that they were hoarding and there was a run on them, et cetera, et cetera. But in fact, I do believe, and no one has called me out and said, no, you're wrong. It's not true that it was all about the manufacturers choosing not to ramp up for quite some time. Mm. And when they did, they did the oddest thing, right? Because I, I I mean I mean to me when and I I hate to keep talking about toilet paper, there's something odd <laughs> <Me> about <too. laughs> it. But, you know, but it's 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 really a prime case study. It is because the first place I was able to get toilet paper of any consequence was Walmart. And what was odd to me is now you've finally you've started producing it again. Why are you producing it in thirty-six packs? Mm-hmm. I would never buy thirty-six packs roles at one at one pass. Right. You know, so there were so many mistakes made and so much fear that there was going to be things stuck on there up the supply chain shelves that I think there's there's a lesson to be learned there. But I'm not clear what it should be because you couldn't have forecast what happened. It was such a singularity.
0: Well, I think one of the lessons learned is if you think you're if you think your sector or your company is a bit insulated and special. Hey, if it can impact toilet paper to the degree it did, it can change and disruption can impact anybody. So don't don't feel safe. So I want to share this from Gary. you're talking uh, Paula about your earlier in your career. And before we talk about some organizational changes from the report, I want to share this from Gary Smith. He says he started his supply chain career in catalog returns at JCPenney, where he had a 30% return rate, which was common then. And it's still the rate for e-commerce now. The more things change, she says, the more they stay the same. Quick comment there, Paula.
2: Well, it's exactly what I said before. It's absence of a fitting room. It's really as simple as that. that. Is that a return becomes a proxy for a fitting room? Unfortunately, it's more expensive because you've got to reverse. You've got to pay the credit card fee on both sides. You've got to process the product, which is no longer... And there's only so much that can go wrong with it in a fitting room. There's a lot more that can go wrong with it if it's been traveling.
0: Mm. So
2: it, it's, it's never going away from That's my right. perspective. I agree completely.
0: So let, let's talk about some organizational changes. Any observations there related to the report?
2: To the report, no. The report was really all about just tra- using AI to help track demand, to help track help track, you know, where product is moving, what, where it's getting stuck particularly if you use it in combination with location analytics, you start to find out where problems are coming from and how they're affecting the route of both customers and employees and products to the store or to wherever they're going. So that was, that was really important. I think to, to, to understand.
1: So, so, Paul, Paula, when you when you speak to that, right? Um, one of the areas that AI was applied in, and in, in earlier, probably uh, before pandemic, was around demand and looking at multi-channel operations. So, I'm curious if there are any insights from the research that indicate better channel alignment, especially given that the last 15 months have probably seen a tremendous shift into direct-to-consumer for many of the retailers as well. Will they get the signals for a return to the store? What's your thought? Do you think the AI is going to adopt to those near-term signals pretty quickly, or um, what's your feel? Honestly,
2: no. I think Mm -hmm. that just as 2020 was a singularity, 2021 is a singularity. I don't think there's any doubt we're going to have a killer back to school season. I don't think there's any doubt we're going to have a strong holiday season. I don't think there's any doubt there's going to be more people in stores. But do I think that's going to stick? I don't. The one example I use for better or worse is going back to restaurants. I've been, as we talked about earlier, I've been fully vaccinated since uh, Valentine's Day was when the end of the second week after my second shot. And so I started going to restaurants, eating outside or inside or whichever the the you know I was feeling safe doing. And at some point I got sick of it and I started eating at home again. So mm-hmm. I think that's what we're going to see is this pent up demand. I want to go out. Yeah. I want to be someplace. I was down in um, Bayside, which is oh, yeah. a, which is a, a, a tourist area in Miami, and it was packed. And it was like, well, I want to go for a boat ride around the around the bay. I want to take a look. And I was like, well, I'm not doing that again. So if they tried (laughs) to use it because it was so (laughs) crowded. That's so crowded. You know. And so it's it's going the point being is that it's very it's going to be very hard to forecast 2021 beyond saying it's going to be killer, assuming they have the product here, because from my perspective, the supply chain is still very, very broken. I have friends who live out in LA who tell me they see the ships floating around offshore. On that tour, interestingly enough, that I took out of um, out of at Bayside, we passed the the port of Miami, and there were very few container ships there, because because they're not route. picking the yep. alternative routes. But the ones that were there, you would think in this environment they'd be working 24/7. They weren't. <laughs> it was a Saturday or a Sunday, and and the container ship was sitting there completely stocked, chock-a-block full not moving we, so we no, have still a broken supply chain it yeah no it kidding is. and
0: yep. for long there's gonna be a yellow navy out there on the west coast much like if y'all remember several decades ago uh ships got in, in the 60s and 70s ships got stuck in the suez canal because of the, the conflicts that were going on there and stuck for like for years and they actually <laughs> they even developed an hoa a, a local council as part of the ships that were stuck in suez canal With all the ships staying in the West Coast ports as long as they are, who knows? We might see a a local election there for deciding (laughs) port issues. But I wanna share a couple quick comments here. Got some good ones. It starts with AA loves your analogy, Paula, about the bullop effect Mm -hmm. ending as quickly as the hurricane. Loves the concept and the analogy. Uh, Kadar, Kader, and if I got that wrong, I apology, um, apologies. Great insight. Paula 30% return rate is a proxy for the fitting room. It's never going away. Excellent point. Great call out there. Kadar. thanks for joining us here today. And Peter is a long comment here and I'm gonna, I'm not gonna cover Paula up there, but, but he's talking about how, how you're right on point. And evidently he went on a rant on a separate live stream and, and it looks like you've given him some new ammunition, Paula. <laughs> Uh-oh. Which is good. It's dangerous with Peter Bole. All right. So, Corinne, where do we want to go next with Paula? I,
1: I want to talk a little bit. You mentioned very briefly, Paula, and the CXO event that workforce was part of that discussion, right? And yeah. and workforce also is part of the discussion around technology. But also, are you seeing, you know, we're seeing hesitation of, of some workers, skilled and unskilled workers, returning to work, if you will, what kind of impact do you think that's going to have on the retail sector? You
2: Ultimately, know, some of the store
1: workers. Well,
2: What's your thought? Let's, let's put the store workers over here for a second, okay? Um, and let's start with the home office. There's no doubt that work is the nature of work is not going to ever be the way it was, and that's right. actually going to drive profitability for retailers. What what came out at the CXO summit and what? actually, I'm sorry I didn't write more about it because now everyone's picked up on the concept, which is that there's going to be a lot of people who've decided, hey, this is pretty cool. I can live where I want. I don't have to be stuck in a little box and I can get my work done. And the only thing I'm missing is that I can't turn to the guy standing next to me and say, hey, or sitting next to me and say, hey, how do I do that? So I think that the nature of work has changed forever. And there's going to be three kinds. There's going to be, this is for home office workers. There's gonna be the, I'm just working from home. The commute time is a waste of productivity and energy. There's the, I'll go in a couple days a week so that I don't go crazy just being here with my kids and checking up with you know anything new that's happening. And then finally, I can't be here anymore. I wanna go back to work. You know. And I think we're gonna see a combination and retailers are gonna be happy to oblige. Mm. With regard to the stores, I think Walmart has really set the tone. And part of that is good and part of it is not so good. Uh, the good part is that they've absolutely acknowledged and recognized their employees and given them bonuses and raised their money, recognized that they're frontline employees, which was, I think, hard for them to swallow. On the flip side, the store profit model is what it is, right? You can't yep. change it. It's it's built on a set of assumptions you know, of here's the profit side, here's the expense side, here's the revenue side, here's the expense side. And payroll expense is already the second highest expense after real estate that you could have. So the challenge becomes how do I keep stores profitable, right? And and so Walmart's trying to self-checkout because they have absolutely been better to their employees. Everything I was reading on social media today is saying that's not being met by a warm response at all. (laughs) I'm not going to spend a lot of time talking about the cashierless checkout technology. I don't believe in it. And that's as, as much as that. It will not scale. They will not pay. It will not happen. That's all I'm going to say about <laughs> that today. <laughs> and yes, you can call me tell on that.
1: Tell like, me how you feel. Tell me how you feel about I, that. I just,
2: like I said, I didn't sign up to be a grocery worker. <laughs> I think I said that before we started. And
1: I certainly don't want to wait in line to do my own self checkout.
0: Well, so, you just got to watch out for the folks just, that bring two thousand, a buggy full of two thousand items, and eight hundred coupons you'll be there for hours. So don't get behind those folks. But (laughs) if I can't go back to the workforce, you know, where Corinne started the questioning, I think one of the things that I was, I was uh, scrolling across LinkedIn, I can't remember who was was speaking to this, but you know, with diversity, equity and inclusion initiatives really rising to the Mm -hmm. forefront in in terms of priority. One other element, I think that uh, this this writer was talking to is, we've got to factor in our remote remote workers, and making sure that they're well represented and included and and feel like they're part of the organization. And, and that, that's just one more wrinkle when it comes to leadership and and managing workforces effectively. I, any, any commentary there, Paula?
2: No, that's a, That came out of the CXO summit and it's come out in, in other conversations I've had is how do you, how do you infuse the culture of the company in these workers that you may yep. never see? My buddy over at vitamin shop, Andy Lodato, is already hiring people from completely other states. And there's a whole bunch of reasons why he's doing that. One of them is that his home office is in Paramus, New Jersey, which isn't a cheap place to be. The cost of living other places in the country is cheaper. Finding data scientists or particular specialists is really a challenge. And so if you can go get them from anywhere and let them stay where they want to be, all the better for you. The challenge is how do you inculcate these people with values and and I think if you look at the trade off between flying people in a few times a year versus versus having building office space maintaining the office space cleaning the office space it still works out to a plus.
1: Yep. Yep. Let, let me ask about, you, you mentioned data scientists, and I think that's really important. So just to, to kind of draw together some of the workforce conversation, but also this conversation about retail and leveraging artificial intelligence. You know, it a data scientist or a team of data scientists can be a very uh, expensive investment, Correct. especially if they don't have a lot of focus, and sometimes they get bored also. They want to solve new problems each and every day versus solving a problem and really maybe honing it for repeatability over time. What are you seeing or, or how is that influencing maybe the selection of technology that's going to incorporate some of that artificial intelligence? Or do you see retailers as investing in their own teams of data scientists?
2: It really depends on the size of the retailer. My understanding <laughs> is that Target is paying 350 grand for a data scientist these days. Others are absolutely depending on their vendors, you know, their they're tech vendors and, and, and they expect to get more easily consumable data and information. You know, yep. you shouldn't need to have men in white coats taking care of it or the data scientists. It, it should be user friendly with a visual intuitive front end. That's what I see kind of happening. But there are those who are trying to get a big, le- you know, the mega retailers are absolutely trying to get a leg up. But while 350 grand sounds like a lot in retail. I'll tell you what, they can make more than that in financial services. And that's wow. the core problem.
1: Yep. Wow. Yep. And, sure. and I hear that in a lot of different supply chain disciplines as well, right? That, that once... Uh, those teams get some, you know, some good results from the time investment and talent investment. It's hard to keep that data science team engaged because mm. they get pulled away for other opportunities in other industries as well.
2: Mm. Um, uh, and that's real. And, and re- retailers can compete on a dollar basis. It's absolutely on the vendors. There's no doubt in my mind it's on the vendors to create easily consumable analytics.
0: Yep, pa- Paula, we're gonna have to have you back for part two. Uh, there's so much that we wanna uh, talk with you about, and then we're kind of approaching your your uh, hard stop. I wanna share a couple of quick comments. Luz Maria is with us via LinkedIn. Uh, appreciate that feedback, and she is from Peru, so welcome. Mm-hmm. Thanks for tuning Bye. in from Peru. Uh, Maria is tuned in from Philippines, welcome. Thanks for being here, part of the conversation. And a couple of folks are commenting <laughs> that cash checkout line, I think he's got everybody's <laughs> attention. <laughs> Gary says maybe retailers should offer a discount for self-checkout. I like that. And Rhonda says we got to pack our patients for self-checkout. Amen to that. One quick question from Rhonda. Uh, She's talking about how open and available commercial spaces are being uh, reutilized as uh, distribution centers, return centers, fulfillment centers, you name it. Any comments there, uh, Paula, on what you're seeing?
2: I don't see a big future for dark stores, if that's that's Mm -hmm. what the question was meant to be. First of all, you know, a commercial real estate costs X amount per square foot and distribution center square foot costs X divided by four. Uh, uh, Yeah, I'm sorry, uh, industrial real real estate costs X divided by four. So that's one reason uh, I don't see it happening. Um, What I do see happening is retailers, again, focusing on and Home Depot has already done this, I believe starting to open more local distribution centers so that they can respond more quickly to needs and clusters of stores. I mean, Walmart has been at an advantage because its stores are so bloody big that they can pull from anywhere once once they're in a place. But others have to think about where am I gonna store? It's kind of like when I used to be in the shoe business, we used to store shoes in the Midwest in November because we knew it was gonna snow somewhere. And we wanted to have boots available for, for, for that
1: place, yep. like that. Yep. Yep. Absolutely. I, I do think that the retail layout of a lot of stores is going to change. And so whether it's because of self-checkout or... You know, trying to create some destination brands or some reasons to actually come into the store and shop It is, you know, it is bringing a little bit of entertainment into some retail formats as well. So I, I do think we'll see some continued transition, Rhonda, in those areas. Absolutely.
0: See, Corinne is, you know, there's impulse buys. We've mm-hmm. all been in the checkout line and picked up a couple items at the end, especially if you got kids. We know now that you got the uh, pickups at the curbside, like Paula mentioned way back when. Yeah, you don't get that. They're gonna we're gonna see shelves, uh, so right up by the car, so you can, you could can make those impulse buys as they're loading your pre-ordered groceries in the car. It's it's right around the corner, undoubtedly. Okay, so Corinne, I've got twelve forty, and we're gonna be you know as as supply chain practitioners, we are on time, and we're gonna protect Paula's time. But uh, and as we start to wind down, what what are a couple of the final things we want to ask uh, Paula about, Corinne?
1: Well, two things. First, Paula, I think you're going to be um, refreshing this, uh, this AI enabled research. Um, we are. Is, is it- tell us about that. And can our audit, can, can our community get in, engaged in the research or, or contribute to the research?
2: Absolutely. It, it is our hope that any retailer that's on this call will, uh, the survey will be out probably in a week or two. And, and okay. I'll publish the link on LinkedIn. You can follow me or, connect with me, either way I don't mind, I'm easy to find. And I will publish the survey link and you're more than welcome. And it's pretty close to the same format as last year, same questions as last year. So we'll be able to do a lot of mid pandemic, post pandemic uh, research. We did that with the workforce pre pandemic, mid pandemic. So now we're gonna go with supply chain mid and after the only big concern i have is that again the supply chain is still broken and i don't have a clue why kayaks are still twice what they are supposed to cost
1: no it's true (laughs) i
2: mean I, i know I know.
0: Don't that,
1: get me started on the kayak thing. You know. <laughs> toilet paper and kayak are two hot buttons for me right now. So don't
0: get us started. And rental cars in some markets I mean I'm hearing about it's it's the size of a mortgage to rent a car for a couple of days because of yes. lack of availability. All right. So Corinne, we want to make sure folks know how to connect with Paula. And Paula, I love I love how you say you're easy to connect with, easy to find. Where would you direct people to so they can connect and compare notes with you?
2: Either LinkedIn or, or, or Twitter. I do have a Facebook account, but it's really that's a total personal thing. And you have to be into my universe to be there. and You probably won't <laughs> like it um, <laughs> as opposed to there's RSR, which is my company. We have an account on Twitter. There's um, thank you, Gary. That's very kind. There's my personal account on, on, on both Twitter and LinkedIn. Uh, I think the one on LinkedIn is, I think they're both called RSR Analysts, so you can get things from my whole company, Mm -hmm. which I think would be really important. And again, my name is my name, and you just Google me. I don't think there's too many of me, so if you just (laughs) search on me, you'll find me.
1: You are an no, was, I meant <laughs> name but but we'll put we'll put Paula's uh, LinkedIn link in the show notes also if that helps any of our listeners, uh, just to connect with her and start following some of the research that. Um, that RSR is doing around not just retail, but the supply chain that feeds retail as well. So, Paula, what I would ask of you, I know we just got a couple of minutes left before we swoosh you out so you can get on to your next commitment, but what final piece of advice do you have for our audience today?
2: You know, it's funny because for years I've been telling retailers avoid gut feel when it comes to deciding how much to buy and what to buy. And I've switched around the other way. Forecasts are not going to be terribly useful. Wait, do you see the shock on my face? Yes. What? <laughs> well,
0: Tell it's me true. Again?
2: I mean, I mean, certainly, if you're involved in allocation, whatever you buy, allocate as small amount as you can till you see where things are taking off. I think if you're if you're buying groceries, um, I mean, if you're if you're in the grocery business, um, expect that you'll get a downturn, but don't assume that that'll stick. This year is. A, I'll say it again. Last the last thing is. This year is as much of a singularity as last year was, just a happier one because fewer Mm. people are dying, obviously. Mm. Next year, we'll probably start getting back to normal by the spring, I would Mm. think. And that's when forecasts will start becoming very profound Relevant
1: again. again. Okay, very good. So you guys heard it here first. Spring next year, Paula called it just now, back to normal. Or back to a more predictable performance, let's put it that way. Yes. So... uh, Great. Paula, hey, thanks for being with us today and just sharing some of your insights. We will definitely invite you back for part two of this conversation.
0: That's right. Uh,
2: This has been wonderful. Thanks for having me.
0: Thanks, Paula. Thanks so much. Bye-bye. Have a good day.